Here we go. Uh, let's, anyway, let's look this morning at uh, at angels here and uh, <clears throat> in the scriptures, and it's it's just real interesting to me that uh, that we've got so much information in the Bible uh, about angels, and it's it's not like well they don't exist. No, like I say, when you read the Bible, the Bible treats it as though we know these things are so, and of course. That's the reason we're called believers. So let's go to Psalm 34 here, and uh, let's look down here at, uh, oh, let's start at verse 7. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and notice this, and delivereth them. Now, he's not making reference to going to heaven here. He's talking about your daily problem. And if you back up just a little bit, you can find out that uh, that's what David was making reference to. Oh, uh, he starts out, well, I'll bless the Lord at all times. I'm going to praise him continually. Just like when I was telling you my little story there about uh, spinning around in my Volkswagen. I mean, when, when, when I got on that ice and everything was okay and the car come to a complete stop, you couldn't shut me up. I was so excited, you know. And so David says, I'm going to praise the Lord at all times. You always hear this praise in my mouth. And he says, my soul is going to make her, I'm going to brag about Jesus all the time. Notice he says that I'll be glad. Notice, if being glad, and I'm going to get out of the, the subject just a moment here, but this phrase right here, it said, and be glad. Sometimes we think God wants us to be sad, but that's not true. In the presence of the Lord, the scripture says, is fullness of joy. Other places, the Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Even in our society, when we go out and talk among people and our friends or whatever, we want them to be happy, you know? Would you rather be happy or sad? Well, a little child will tell you. Well, I'll tell you that one real quick. They want to be happy. Well, God wants us to be happy too. But sometimes we get to thinking God wants us to be sad. Maybe we need to learn a hard lesson or whatever. Saints, there's no such thing as hard lessons like that. We do learn some things, praise the Lord, and we go through difficulties. But God wants us to be happy because ultimately when we get to heaven, we pass out of this life. We know all sorrow, all pain, all these other things are gone. And if all these things are so good, then we need to just go through it again. But that's not true. It's not good. God wants us to be glad. It's stated so here in this psalm. David is, is just can't keep his mouth shut. He's so excited. He says in verse 3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. He's not trying to be preachy. He's not trying to, you know, be uh, uh, say church things here and be... So holy that he can't get his, his message across. No, look what he says. Verse 4, I sought the Lord. In other words, I asked the Lord for his help. He heard me, and look at this, and delivered me from all my fears. Now, I want to put this over in Lacey Springs language for us all. New Hope and Owens Crossroad and Hernando, Mississippi, where my mother was raised at. We'll put this in Living Bible. Basically, in Huntsville language, because people in Huntsville, we can't, we, we, we can't hear either. We don't know what these, these words mean. Look what he says right here. Um, he said, I'll praise the Lord no matter what happens. I'll constantly speak of his glories and his grace. Look down here, verse 4. For I cried to him, and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Wow. Verse 5. Others were too radiant at what he did for them. No, others too were radiant at what he did for them. There was no downcast look of rejection. Wow. Verse 6. This poor man cried to the Lord, and the Lord heard him. Saved him out of all his troubles. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord guards and rescues all who reverence him. Now, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. 
The angel of the Lord guards and rescues. That's the job of angels. Let's go next to uh, Psalm 91 here. Psalm 91. And I've heard many, many times this was the, uh, <clears throat> the soldier's psalm. What do you think about a soldier? Why would somebody in the American military, or we could say the British, or what other nations that would know about this, why would they say this is the soldier's uh, psalm? Well, a soldier is having to face death. He's facing difficulty. He's trying to protect uh, others, and uh-oh, he's going to be in danger. So this is called the soldier's psalm for a reason. Oh, let me switch back over here to the, uh, <clears throat> to the King James. Here we go. He says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'll say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Well, it sounds like God's going to keep you safe here. Yes. Uh, let's go back to the Living Bible and look at it in these words right here. Uh, we live in the shadow of the Almighty. Notice the next word, sheltered. <clears throat> sheltered. What does that mean? Protected. By God who is above all gods. This I declare that he alone is my refuge and my place of safety. He is my God and I am trusting him. That's the reason when you read the scriptures you find out there's more to God than just going to heaven. God will take care of you no matter what your problems are. Look at verse 3. Isn't that amazing? For he rescues you from every trap and protects you from the fatal plague. I have to deal with that. Now, what I mean by that was, do I believe that? Maybe this was metaphoric. Saints, it's not metaphoric. These are real things. You can read the Bible, and there'll be plagues taking place all over the place, and God's people will be immune to them. You can look at the story of Exodus when Moses and the Israelites were trying to come out of Egypt. <clears throat> All those plagues that took place down there. Not one of the Israelites was affected by it. So much so that in the book of Exodus it says that not even a dog, except for my dog, <laughs> not teasing, but not even a dog would bark at the Israelites. Isn't that amazing? Oh yeah, verse 4. He will shield you with his wings. They shall shelter you. His faithful promises are your armor. You know, this reminds me of Ephesians chapter 6. It says, take the whole armor of God, and it lists all these things. But one of these things is the sword of the Spirit, which says, is the Word of God. In other words, what we know about the Bible, what God has promised us, those are our weapons. So for me not to know them, is, that's going to be to my disadvantage. Again, this last phrase in verse 4. His faithful promises are your armor. No one know what his promise was. Well, you could take verse 3 right above it. Rescues you from every trap. Protects you from the fatal plague. Let's go a little further. If you go down here to verse 5. Now you don't need to be afraid of the dark anymore, nor fear of the dangers of the day, nor dread the plagues of darkness, nor disasters in the morning. Look at 7. Though a thousand fall at my side, though ten thousand are dying around me, the evil will not touch me. Wow, how can that be? Well, God just says it so for you. Verse 8, I'll see how the wicked are punished, but I will not share it. For Jehovah is my refuge. I choose the God above all gods to shelter me. You know, I've been reading through um, the book of Isaiah and the Old Testament and uh, 
Oh, and God specifically would compare himself to the Israelites who were always running to bow down to an idol that they made with their own hands. And God would mock them and say, make fun of them and say, okay, well, go ahead and bow down to that hunk of wood over there. You use that hunk of wood to cook your, cook your food, to heat your house, and then you bow down and worship. Well, I'm sure that hunk of wood there will protect you from the Assyrians that are coming to get you. You know, that's what God was mocking him and saying, those things won't protect you. Well, we're not going to worship idols, so what in effect was God saying? That God will protect you and I. But see, a lot of times we, we get the idea that God's not there. He's not going to help us. He just kind of just comes and goes and you never know. That's so ridiculous. The angels are there all the time to keep you safe. Uh, these, are, these promises are so, no wonder it's called the soldier's psalm. These things are just, well, then I, 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 how can I ever get in trouble? That's right. Look down at verse 11. For he orders his angels to protect you. Look at this. Wherever you go. Wow. He orders his angels to protect you wherever you go. The King James Version says, he shall, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Look at verse 13. You can safely meet a lion. Boy, I don't want to, but look what he says. You can safely meet a lion or step on poisonous snakes, even trample them under your feet. Wow. wonder why this is so. He orders his angels to protect you wherever you go. Speaking of lions here, let's go over to the book of Daniel here. And in Daniel, this Daniel chapter 6, Let's take a look at this. All right, Daniel chapter 6. We have Daniel in the lion's den. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> anyway, we know the story. Daniel got thrown in the lion's. Oh, no. Well, anyway, King Darius was not happy about that. Anyway, Darius wakes up in the next morning, and he's worried for Daniel's sake. And look what he says. Oh, uh, let's see. Daniel's sake. Let me get into it. Oh, and when he came to the den, he cried in a lamentable voice. Oh, Daniel, and the king spake and said to Daniel, O oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, is your God, whom you serve continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? That's a good question. Now, we already know he's okay, but think about it. Think what that king said. Remember, this king is not, uh, he's not an Israelite, but uh, and Daniel was his servant. They captured the Israelites. They conquered Israel. And Israel got hauled off to Babylon, you know. And that's what happened here. So anyway, is your God able to save you from the lions? Now, Darius loved Daniel. I mean, he didn't, it was a mess that he got thrown into the lion's den. Look at verse 21. Notice how quick the response is. I don't want to be so quick to say God would deliver you and I from a bad dog that may try to get loose and mess with you. Oh, I would. Saints, they know dogs going to get you today. No cats, no wild animals. We have got angels encamped about us. They're there all the time. Daniel said, O king, <laughs> live forever. Can you imagine you being the king and you're thinking there ain't nothing but bones out there. You had to wait all night, and that's what Darius had to do. He tossed all night worried about Daniel. And Darius, the king, comes out there and says, Daniel, is your God whom you serve able to deliver you from the lions? I just love that scripture. Because Daniel doesn't come back and go, well, you know, sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. And you never know what God's going to do. Oh, no. 
first off, the king heard Daniel's voice. That meant he did deliver him. And, and Daniel says, O king, what? Live forever. Wow. My God hath looked, sent his angel, and shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me. Wow. He says, for as much as before him innocency was found in me. Well, that's because they were accusing him of wrong. Not the king, but some of the king's men were all mad about it. You know the rest of this story. The king turned this thing around, and all those clowns that had attacked Daniel and tricked the king, the king said, okay, you and your family are thrown to the lions. Remember the story? Before their bodies got to the bottom of that pit, the lions had broke all their bones and stuff. So those lions, it wasn't, well, they just had stomach problems that night. No, the angel did protect Daniel, and they'll protect you and I. Uh, let's go over to the New Testament. Let's see some words of Jesus here. Uh, one of my favorites is this right here. It's sort of in passing, but uh, uh, we get the thought. Let's see, Matthew chapter 18, and let's go down here. Jesus takes a child. He calls him to himself. Okay, let's see what he says here. Oh, look at verse 10. He says, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you, this is Matthew 18, verse 10, that in heaven, look at this, their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Now, what's angels in heaven doing staring at our heavenly Father? Well, they must be ready to go. It's just like soldiers. You've got to be ready anytime. As soon as, the, as soon as the commanding officer says, okay, we're going to do a plan, whatever, we're already trained, they ready to roll. These angels are ready to roll. These angels, it's not just for little ones, it's for you and I as well. These angels are around us. Praise the Lord. I wonder what those angels do. Well, we've already read about it. Psalm 34, Psalm 91. Wow. Uh, let's go over here to... Um, the book of Hebrews right here. This is very interesting. It's a common scripture, what he says here. But look at this, verse 2. Be careful to, uh, be, be not careful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have, look at this, entertained angels. Now I like the word unaware. We didn't know it. Now, why is that even in the Bible? Because saints, there's angels encamped about you and me. When we go places, when we leave here, I do not know everybody in Huntsville, you know. Phil lives down at Owens Crossroad, and he knows a lot of people down there, but he don't know them all, you know. No matter where you are, the Scriptures is indicating, watch out, because some of the people that you're close to, they're angels. What are they there for? Well, they're there to check up on Bob and make sure he's not sinning. That's ridiculous. God in heaven can figure that one out. God can figure that out about, about me. Why are these angels there? Well, as you can see, they delivered Daniel, praise the Lord, and uh, they're here to deliver you and I as well. Wow. Oh, uh, First Peter's real close. Look at this in First Peter. First Peter chapter one, and let's scroll down here to. This is a little, a short little letter by the apostle Peter. You know, and uh, he writes a letter to um, <clears throat> this church, whatever, real short, you know, telling them things about Jesus. Look what he says in verse 12. 
unto whom it was revealed, not unto themselves, but unto us did they minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, sent down from heaven, which things, look at this, this is a phrase I want you to get, which things angels desire to look into. Huh? That's what the scripture says. The things about Jesus, angels desire to look into. Now, why would we talk about angels uh, if they never really did exist? Well, we know they do exist, praise the Lord. And they're around us all the time. You know, the book of Acts, um, I love the name of the book of Acts because Acts is just simply what that means. It's the Acts. This is how they acted. Look at the 12th chapter. This story here is about, um, about Peter, who we just read that little book just a moment ago. He said angels desire to look into this, uh, these things. So watch what happens here. Uh, verse 1, about that time Herod moved against some of the believers and killed the apostle James, John's brother. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish leaders, he arrested Peter during the Passover celebration and imprisoned him, placing him under guard of 16 soldiers. Herod's intention was to deliver Peter to the Jews for execution after Passover. Look at verse 5. wonder if it's something we can do. Well, that's the reason it's in there. But earnest prayer was going up to God from the church for his safety all the time he was in prison. Well, now, wait a minute. Herod says he's going to kill him. Well, the Christians were saying, time out. God, get him out of trouble. Get him out. That's why that's said. And, you know, no matter what you're facing, you can say, time out. I've had enough pain. I've had enough trouble. I'm ready for things to stop. And guess what? It'll happen. See, this story was not written just to say, well, you know, wow, that's a great little story. Wow, that's great. That's wonderful. I can't wait till I get to heaven to ask Peter what he felt like that night. You can do better than that. You can ask him when you get there. But you can use this story and go, wait a minute. I can do something about my problem. There's angels. So watch what happens. Verse 6. The night before he was to be executed, he was asleep. Double chained between two soldiers and other standing guards before the prison gate. I can use it as a point with. When suddenly there was a light in the cell and what? An angel of the Lord stood beside Peter. The angel slapped him on the side and awakened him and said, Quick, get up. Now what's that angel there to do? What's he there for? Well, obviously, and the chains fell off his wrist. Wow. And the angel told him, Get dressed, put on your shoes. And he did. Now put your coat on and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell and followed the angel. But all the time he thought it was a dream or a vision and didn't believe it was really happening. I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, it's too good to be true. Verse 10, they passed the first and second cell blocks and came to the iron gate to the street. Now notice this, and it opened to them of its own accord. Now you can't tell me in your life as a Christian, when you went to do some things, all of a sudden it was already fixed. That has happened to me so many times. I'll even tell you this morning, matter of fact, the reference we just used just a moment ago, I was looking up this morning and fixing to get to that one, and guess what? Here it goes again. Before I could get to that reference, and it's not because my Bible is so worn out that it would fall to that page. Still, I'm telling you, I just said, oh, I need to go to that passage. I stuck my finger over there, and for boop, there I was. 
I needed to be at First Peter chapter 1, and I was there immediately. Well, Richard, that's just preacher stuff. Well, I can tell you car stuff. I can tell you bolts and screws and building materials and whatever. And all of a sudden, I turn around, and there it is. Where did it come from? Everybody wants to be so logical. Listen, you can be so logical till you're blue in the face. Let me tell you something. As a Christian, you have got angels in camp about you. You just need to count on it, depend on it, keep praising the Lord, keep being happy. And if you are missing something, start expecting these things to just show up. Augustine's not here this morning, but he had this car that he really wanted the other day. And uh, I mean, in his mind, he wanted a particular car. Hey, Augustine, I said, just starting to And I called him on the phone and I said, hey, don't forget. Just, we need to pray about that car, you know, and ask the Lord to get, because we'll be thinking we've got to drive all the way to Nashville, all the way, or you will, all the way to these various places. And he goes, you're right, you're right, you're right. And I'm telling you, he called me, it was the next day. If it wasn't the next day, it was two days later, and there was the car, and he bought it, he has it now, the Mustang, uh, the one he wanted and everything, and it was less than 10 miles from where we live. And the price, you couldn't imagine how great a price it was. So, when these chains, as in the book of Acts, they came off his hands, and then this gate opened up by itself, don't be surprised. You ha it's crowded in the room because there's angels there. And when you walk out of here today, there's angels with you. They don't just leave when you leave this place. Okay, verse 11. Uh, when Peter, fin Peter finally realized what had happened, it's really true, he said, the Lord sent his angel and saved me from Herod, and from what the Jews were hoping to do to me. <laughs> I wonder if he'll do that for you and I. Of course he will. Absolutely he will. That's what God wants to do. Now, uh, interesting in the book of Acts here, there's story after story, but uh, let me go over here to Acts uh, chapter 26. Uh, no, it's, not, it's 27, excuse me. And uh, there is a bad storm that took place over here. And, uh, okay, my mouth's got to slow down just a little bit. Here we go. Paul is on this ship, and this ship has 276 people on it. So you imagine that's a pretty good-sized ship. Anyway, they're under like a hurricane. It's a very bad storm, no matter what. They've been in a storm for two solid weeks. Anyway, look down here. Let's <laughs> start at verse, uh, uh, oh, let's take verse 20. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. Well, some of those words are a little bit hard to understand. The tempest, what's a tempest? You know, uh, let's switch this to the Living Bible here. I'll make a note here, verse 20, if I go right back to it. Oh, uh, watch this. I love this. Okay. Because you can have a bad storm in your life. You can have bad things going on and and if you don't remember the stories of the Bible about angels there, and why in the world would you read about angels if they weren't for you and I today? Okay, verse 20. The storm raged unabated for many days until all hope was gone. You know, that should trigger your prayer life. When things are so bad and they're not getting any better, think about it. Oh, wait a minute. I have God. I can call upon him. Did you know, and you can just look it up, Yourself. Anyway, the book of Psalms, it talks about sailors that get out to sea. And I think it's Psalm 107, oh, not 118, but it's in that range. It's after 100, so I'll give you a range of about 50. <laughs> and it's less than 25, so it's between Psalm 100 
and Psalm 125, and all those things are short. You'll hear it. You'll find it. But anyway, these sailors, they get out to sea, and they get into a storm. And the psalmist is writing, it gets so bad, and it says they are at their wit's end. It's got the word wit in the King James. They're about to lose it. But it says, then they cry out to God. And then it says this, God calms the storm, and he brings them to a safe haven. Praise God. Is this not the story of the Christian life? When you get in trouble, if you'll call on the Lord, he'll get you out. Why? Well, I'll tell you what. It's just these angels are there. I mean, God's not going to go broke. He's got, he has people commissioned, they're angels, angels that are on call to work in your behalf. That's what he's told us. So in verse 20, a terrible storm raged, unabated many days, until at last all hope was gone. 21. No one had eaten for a long time. But finally, Paul called the crew together. Now remember, they're still, they're still tossed around, and it's, they all think they're going to die. He said, men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Fair Havens. You would have avoided all this injury and loss. Now that tells me that God's not putting you into trouble. He's not, God didn't say, I'm going to send, they're going to lose the whole ship, and they're going to learn a hard lesson. No, no, God had already told Paul, to warn the captain of the boat, time out, don't get in this, don't, let's don't try to make Rome right now. Give it a few months, and when the weather clears up, we'll go. But they didn't do that. Now look at verse 22. But cheer up. Now how can you cheer up? The rainbow didn't appear yet. It didn't get calm. They are still thinking they're all going to die. And he says, cheer up. Now can you believe this? Look what he says. Not one of us will lose our lives. Oh, yeah, oh, sure. Oh, yeah, Paul, yeah, right, yeah, oh, yeah. No, he is not. Not one of you will lose our lives, even though the ship will go down. Well, now we're really worried. <laughs> the ship's going to go down. But guess what? You remember the story? When the ship got crushed and ruined, they were in swimming distance of an island right there. And those that couldn't swim, God provided sticks and stuff, and they all hopped on those things and floated right in. Anyway, uh, notice what he says, verse 23. For last night, what? An angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me. Well, whether or not you see them or not, they're there. They're there. Paul knew this. Because God had already told him in chapter, I think it's chapter 25 or whatever. He says, Paul, what you've done here in Jerusalem, just be strong, be bold. You're going to go tell it to Caesar in Rome. And so why would God change his plans, you know, and say, well, sorry, you got killed on the way up there. No, God's not into that. Verse 24, he said, and don't be afraid, Paul, for you shall surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more important, look at this, what's more? God has granted your request. Huh? Who was requested? Paul was. And will save the lives of all those sailing with you. Now, that's a little bit too hard. You would think out of 276 people, statistically, no, we're not talking statistics, we're talking Bible. The Bible will save us all. But if you want to talk statistics and think how God will not help you, then that's a different book. Yeah, I guess you'll have to go find something else to read. But our Bible tells us plainly here that Paul made requests that God would save everybody on that boat. And God says, absolutely I'll do it. Praise the Lord. Is there anything too hard for God? So verse 25, take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said. Now I want you to remember, this is still a storm. It's nighttime still. It's black. They think they're all going to get killed. Okay? Watch what they do. Verse 25. Uh, 
but we'll all be shipwrecked on an island. About midnight on the 14th night of the storm, that's a long storm, we all were being driven to and fro in the Adriatic Sea. The sailors, the sailors, the sailors suspected land was near. They sounded and found 120 feet of water below. A little later, they found it to be 90. At this rate, they knew they were going to be driven ashore, and the rocks, they just knew it was going to, it was going to bust the ship up. Uh, let me skip down here to, uh, let's go straight down here to, uh, to verse uh, 33. As darkness gave way to early morning, Paul begged everyone to eat. You haven't touched food for two weeks. <laughs> Watch what they did. Verse 34. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair of your head shall perish. Now, Paul, keep your mouth shut. God doesn't always follow through. Don't get people's hopes up. Oh, yes, you do. You better get people's hopes up. God is going to do what he says. God will take care of you and I. I've been on a boat a time or two when I've had trouble before, too. And I'm saying, God's got me out of trouble every time. And like my story with my little Volkswagen, just yesterday, God's got me out of trouble then. He will get you. What if I started preaching this morning that, you know, I'm sorry, I would make everybody so fast? Because I'd be worried. You'd say, we need to get another preacher. Because Richard just thinks when we walk out these doors, there ain't no hope. Is that the story of Jesus? I mean, when we leave you today, something bad may get you. That's not the story of the book of Acts. Please eat something for your own good, for not a hair of your head shall perish. He said this to 276 people, and guess what? Some of these 276, a lot of them were criminals. Look at the next verse. So anyway, suddenly everyone felt better and began to eat. All 276 of us, that was the number that we had on board. After eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing over the wheat overboard. When it was day, they didn't recognize the coastline, but noticed a bay with a beach and wondered whether they could get between the rocks and be driven onto the beach. Finally, they decided to try. Well, anyway, when they tried this, it tore the boat to pieces. And I want to tell you ahead of time, the soldiers decided we better kill all the prisoners. But guess what? Paul already said you're all going to survive. God's going to save you. We're all going to make it on shore. But the soldiers were thinking, we need to kill the prisoners because they're going to escape. Watch what happens. The soldiers didn't kill them. God was involved here. But the ship hit a sandbar and ran aground. The bow of the ship struck fast. Anyway, this thing's fixing to tear all up. Verse 42. The soldiers advised their commanding officer to let them kill the prisoners, lest any of them swim to shore and escape. But Julius, wow, wanted to spare Paul. But what did Paul want to do? He wanted to spare them all. He had already made his request, and God said, you got it, Paul. You got it. Then he ordered all who could swim uh, to jump overboard and make for land and the rest to try to uh, own planks and debris from the broken ship. Look at the last phrase. This is the last verse in, in Acts 27. We'll stop right here. Too. And the rest of them try on planks and debris from broken ships so everyone escapes safely to shore. I don't care what you're facing today, whether you're feeling sick uh, or whatever, small, great, whatever the pain is, Whatever trouble you're you are going to escape safe. And quit thinking, yeah, when I get to heaven, I'll escape safe. Well, we all going to escape that way. You should be looking for angel activity today. God is working on your behalf. You know, it, it, we just need to turn on our switch of faith. We just need to say, Lord, please tell me. I have no idea where my car keys are. I have no idea what's wrong with my car. I have no idea what's wrong with my family. I have no idea what's wrong with what. I have, just help me, Lord, in Jesus' name. And he will. He really will. 
Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you by your stripes we're healed. If we are sick, you'll make us well. And if we're missing something financially, you'll help us out. Praise the Lord. And if we're faced with any kind of trouble, whatever it is, no matter what the problem is, you'll get us out. We're asking you to get us out. Lord, that doesn't leave anything left but for us to tell others about Jesus. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to start telling them all the great things you've done for us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, amen. Okay.